Uh, this is another episode of the Saber Martial Arts Podcast. Welcome. Uh, as as is kind of the trend lately, we're taking a little bit wider spaces between episodes, but um, I was talking to Courtney about this, and he was like, dude, each episode is dense, it's packed with like stuff that you could go back and listen to again, and I don't know if that was his nice way of saying we talk a lot, but I thought it was a compliment, and uh, we're going to we're gonna roll with it. We're going to make this another dense episode, and... Um, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna force it. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna talk about some people and things that uh, are important to us for different reasons. And um, yeah, uh, let's see, Sensei, uh, introduce yourself briefly, just in case this is anybody's first time on the block, and uh, also um, give us let, let's say your favorite pizza topping. Case uh, uh, with uh, SoCal Saber Academy. Uh, shoot, man. Everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> Pineapples are optional. Pineapples are optional. There you go. I, I, I don't understand why people think it's so crazy. It's not that crazy. <laughs> What's up, Sifu? Introduce, introduction. <laughs> sure. Uh, my name is Alan Benable. I am the president of the Saber Martial Arts Foundation, founder of Phoenix Saber Academy, uh, Six Degree Black Belt instructor in Kung Fu here uh, for the United Martial Arts uh, Association of America. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't want to read my whole CV, but I mean, if, if we need content. <laughs> well, we do need we do need to know what we should order if we're ordering you a pizza. Uh, I'm okay with nearly everything on pizza. The only thing I, I don't really enjoy on pizza is um, gorgonzola cheese. You've, oh, had, you've yeah, had that on pizza. Tough. I guess that'd be delicious I've, on pizza. I've had it. It's just not not my for you. Style. Not your thing. Yeah, and just tough. about any other cheese. Like uh, I, I, I love me some jack cheese, and I love me some uh, cheddar. They because they have the shredded stuff. But I, I've been to a couple of little uh, uh, places where they they make like the personal pizzas for you. And that's the only topping that I'm just like, no, thank you. <laughs> I me, did have. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was saying I, I had sun-dried tomatoes on on a pizza, and I did not think that was going to be good, but it was amazing. Yeah, it's delicious, in my opinion. Uh, my my personal favorite uh, topping is is most people they don't even like think of it, um, but like anchovies is my absolute favorite pizza topping. You know, Anchovies are underrated. It's so underrated, and people don't realize yeah. how many different like foods they're in. But mm-hmm. aside mm-hmm. from that, if I had one thing that like I'm just good, like if you offer it to me on a pizza, one thing that I'm I'm just good, probably be black olives. Like I'd eat them if it's if it's already on the pie, and I like everything else on it. But if it was like a black olive pie just sitting there, I'm probably twice. I'm uh, probably gonna think I would, twice. I would say the toppings aren't as important to me as the crust. The yeah, crust the crust is, is absolutely. Oh, good. I, I mean, go. every part of it has its place, and it's like a separate like Im- level of importance. You know what I mean? Like the sauce mm-hmm. is equally important, but some people, the sauce makes or breaks it. The crust is one way or another. You know what I mean? Like they'll just eat the crust because right. it's the bread that it comes on. The other other people right. like you, and my dad's like. The crust has to be right, you know. My dad could 
really care less what the sauce tastes like as long as the crust is right. So it's crazy how, how everybody's got their thing with pizza. That's why I asked that question. You tell a lot about a man or a woman by the, the pizza they choose to put in their face. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I'm all about having a good foundation. If it's a good foundation, then we, we can work with it. If it's not, then there's nothing we can do. Yeah, we got to order like a, like a plain <laughs> cheese. We got to order like a plain cheese yeah. or, or a slice of pepperoni to get a, to get a baseline, mm-hmm. right? Right, exactly. exactly. No, no matter how good the <laughs> toppings are, if your pizza falls apart on you, that's that's no pizza. Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, yeah. Uh, there you go, folks listening. If you don't know anything about these guys now, then you haven't been listening to anything. So, uh, <laughs> um, Alan mentioned a little bit. Um, I, I know that we usually don't harp on this type of point, but it's going to come up over the course of the conversation. So. Let's just go through um, really quickly and talk about that dirty R word rank. Let's just uh, go around. Alan mentioned he's a six degree black belt. Alan, do you hold any other ranks that you feel worth mentioning at the moment? Um, belt belt specifically. Let's concerned. just go by belt just because that's what people yeah. kind of understand. As, as far as martial arts are concerned, yeah, that that's about it. I mean, there are certain other things that I am as far as like lineage holder right, and right. things like that for different martial arts families, but it, it's not um, as consistent or recognized <laughs> as uh, anything else. Let me explain it this way for, again, for people listening and for you guys so you know like why I'm even, because I can already tell that you're both kind of uncomfortable answering this question and, and I am as well. And the reason I even ask it is just because over the course of the conversation, we'll probably say things and talk about things that um, come from a long number of years of experience. And the reason I, I just said rank was just because it's kind of a thing that people understand. Like if you said, oh, I'm of this degree, they get a general idea of how. But we could, let's let's just do it this way. How many years as of today have you been training in martial arts? That's a better way to I, ask it. Uh, officially or unofficially? Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. No, that's a valid question. <laughs> y- yes. Yeah. Yes. Give okay. me like if if – yeah, like you're interviewing for a job. How many years? Uh, so I started martial arts as, as far as I remember when I was five years old. And my my mom basically corrected uh, me doing uh, basically a kata. Yeah. She corrected me doing a kata. Yeah, she corrected me doing a, doing a kata that I saw on TV. There you go. So technically that's when I started my martial arts. I was like, oh, you know about this. Um, so that would be, oh, I'm going on 35, no, 37 years now. I'm going that. Are you, oh, you're, never mind. I'm not going to ask, uh, I'm not going to ask a gentleman about his true age. Uh, and, and Depends. we'll also, so time travel is weird. So whenever you listen to this <laughs> as of recording, I've, I've, uh, I've been training for 37 years. So 37 <laughs> years and your highest rank we'll just say your highest rank uh-huh. is a six degree yeah. black belt. So, yeah. um, my highest rank is six degree black belt. Uh, highest position is master instructor. There you go. Perfect. Perfect answer. Uh, sensei, now that we've mm. ironed that shirt out, please, <laughs> please button it up for us. 
All right, so officially on the books per my certificates, it's started in 1990, so that puts me at 32 years. But uh, my father actually had me start, you know, unofficially before I can even join the dojo uh, at six years old. So I think that puts me at 38 years this year. But, but we all kind of started around the same. I started at four, four, four and a half, somewhere in there. There you um, go. And we all kind of started at that, that, <clears throat> that toddler stage. So the the general point being um we've kind of known this our whole lives and what's your highest rank sensei um i am currently what am i <laughs> that's pra- how high of a rank he is <laughs> yeah i guess he doesn't so. even remember <laughs> it's at no. least sixth right sixth degree yeah so officially from an organization in sixth degree um i have uh, the only reason uh, the, the reason why i'm like rap trying to wrap my head around it because i stopped counting rank like year, years ago because i also have mm-hmm. national rank with japan and like, mm-hmm. like I, I stopped testing in that rank like years like ago, a belt like a belt rank a national belt rank well because the uh the the style also has a uh what's it called a national organization right federation. right yeah. so when you compete so, in like an international competition that way you you yeah, have like a ranking among all of that as well yeah very interesting so, very interesting but yeah but for kendall i'm a forever brown belt it's like every time i go back and i try to go it's like something happens and i i stay you know like i haven't had a chance to test out a brown belt but um all the all the uh the first second third degree black belts i get a chance to fight in kendall they're all afraid because it's like oh no it's k's back so yep (laughs) that forever brown belt thing my sensei is going through that now with uh judo Um, oh nice he's getting his old man black belt and or I should say he's earning his old man black belt because he's having to go get his knee drained once or twice a week. And oh dang! Yeah, the whole deal. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll just really quickly. This is my thirtieth year in the martial arts. I started when I was somewhere between four and five, and uh, again, it's like the only thing I've ever known as, as far as like um, you know, I did other sports and things, but I always always had that going on in the background or the foreground. So. Um, I've been teaching for teaching martial arts for 20, 20 years or so. Um, and my highest degree officially is a third degree in, uh, Kenpo karate. But, um, I'm super proud to say that I just earned my gold sash in Kung Fu and I am training for my green sash. I am like so excited about this. I, I have not had a belt test that like intimidated me in years. <laughs> and um I I had my white sash test and like I was I was like so nervous. I tested with the kids that I teach. So I've put them through, you know, twenty or thirty white belt and and gold belt um promotions. But like <laughs> I didn't even have one myself. <laughs> And I finally went to my teacher and, and I've been there about two years now. And I was like, can I, can I test? Like I would never ask, but it's too, can I test? And he's like, well, ask <laughs> the, the guy I teach with is a, it's a different guy. And he goes, ask him if you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. there it was. And, and I had the choice to wait until I was ready to just test for a black sash however many years that would take or to try and go through each level 
you know, like the kids would go through. And I absolutely didn't even have to think about it. Um, I wanted to earn every part of it. I know I would have had to either way, but I wanted to like, because my daughter's in the class now. So I wanted to like earn sashes alongside her too. You know what I mean? Sure. She has no clue what it means right now, but later on she'll look back like I did earning stuff with my dad. I think that's right. cool. Well, first of all, congratulations. Oh, yeah, thank absolutely. You. I, I appreciate that. I wasn't fishing for congratulations, but no, it but... is like a milestone, you know. I it may, makes me feel a little bit old, but uh it's not just a milestone for kids. It's it's kind of cool to discover something new later in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think we'll uh, I I think that's very important um for parents. I mean, like you you both of you have uh have actually trained kids before and a lot of what i learned by teaching kids is that um is is like a i mean it sounds like a fortune cooking but we're human beings not human doings so i've never heard um, that i like that (laughs) so if you tell your kid hey do this if they haven't seen you do it haven't heard you do it haven't gotten point that you can do this too the chances of them actually doing it are much less so um, the fact that you're doing that right next to your daughter actually increases the chances of uh of somebody seeing well you you can do this not just in martial arts but but also in other activities that are that, that can happen but like a let's go with music um somebody that that whose dad was a drummer usually they're that person that kid can also drum mm-hmm. right because it's always around it's part of their culture it's part of their the thing so when you do that with martial arts it all it teaches so many other things right it's not just just this but the the focus the discipline all the things that are on the door of the dojo right the leadership uh the commitment all of that stuff uh is transferred not only by um, the parent, but also by the teacher and by the people around them. You surround yourself with like-minded individuals that are going after the same thing. And if they are smart about it, they can apply that to the rest of their lives if they keep up with it. So that's really the the cool part about that is that you're doing it next to your daughter. To me, mm-hmm. because you know I'm crazy. Uh, old veteran with a scar across his eye yeah i've seen it all right it, but no i agree with you um when i taught a lot of parents that had kids in the class right now i think i have two two parents that have kids in the class i also have two other parents who joined with teenagers um in a different class so i have two with little kids in a in in a separate class and two with teenagers in the same class as they are and one thing i told people back when it was more about the belt system this is more in the mma class but when when i was running a lot of kids and parents through belts is if they see you quit they're going to quit right like right and that's actually a a thing right yeah i mean uh, you're saying it from the more positive side i like to look at it more from your side but that's the way i had to had to tell people sometimes like I know you don't really care if you earn a black belt but your kid is about to and if they see you quit right. bef- at brown belt like they're going to quit at brown belt too. Right. You, they they 
hear half of what you say, but do a hundred percent of what you do. There you so. go. There you go. So yeah. anyway, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, part of part of that part of the uh, the beauty of martial arts is that it does encompass a lot of things that that are still kind of. I mean, right now with the the internet and stuff, you can be a pseudo expert on stuff by the afternoon, right? If you looked it up in the morning. Yeah, um, that's but true. The rep the repetition and the discipline and the focus that stuff you can't get from Wikipedia or stuff like that. You know, uh, the beauty of martial arts is that you can actually um, encompass a lot of different things all at once and kind of apply it differently. It's a a wonderful tool, Uh, much like, much like uh, dancing or music or stuff like that. You can be transported across the world in just, a kata or you know a beautiful mm-hmm. you know sonnet or something like that so there, there there is a lot to be said about you know what are you actually teaching are you actually teaching a punch no actually i'm teaching focus right you know right. that that's really the 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 beauty of martial arts but you can't really a lot of people are on it's a spectrum right because you have like people that are all about you know the cage and that wouldn't work in a cage <laughs> and you have the people that 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 are like far too steeped in inter, the tradition side which is yeah. just like oh you know you, you if if you're fighting like if you're fighting in the ufc then you, you have no tradition you have no blah 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 and you, you just don't get it right and then there's and then on the flip side if this was not just a spectrum but a big circle like on the underworld is like all the I believe you call them bullshito masters mm-hmm. where uh, with, with a no touch uh, with a no oh. touch stuff and everything like that. You know, it, it's there. There's a lot of crap basically out there, but there are really good systems and there are really good traditions and they're really good um, things in, I mean, it is <laughs> the, uh, I joke about this, but it, it's like a, it, it, you have to find the right cult, right? <laughs> you have to find, you have to find the one. Yeah, who's it's true. Some people call it the dojo. Some people call it church. Yeah. Some people call it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. N- insert your scary well, cult here. Um, but, right. <laughs> you know, I, and I, and I say that not to offend people who go to a dojo or a church or, literally are in like a cult and maybe somehow are sneaking their their podcast into their ears right now under fear of persecution first of all go to the police second of all (laughs) sorry i might have lost track a little bit uh i got got on a roll there and i rolled right off the hill um no like the that that wide gamut is what is what makes it beautiful. It, it also makes it kind of tough to navigate. But I think um, when you can when you can kind of find your own, like you said, find your cult, but insert your own tradition if tradition is not what got you there. Like let's say I, I – it's not a secret if you've heard the show before, but if this is your first episode, I now do a lot of MMA versus – before I was doing a whole lot of um, American style karate, and um, I still fight that way 
as a, as my basis, but most of my teaching now is MMA for adults, MMA for kids, and Kung Fu for kids. So um, I have a wide gamut of people, but thing, things change. I have to roll with it as well. That being said, I still have my traditions. Even in the MMA class, I bow myself in. And if I'm teaching a class that's MMA-based, I still bow the class in. It's like a small thing I do, right? Like, not every teacher does that at this gym. And that's okay, because not every teacher came from a truly traditional background. But the Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher, he, he's a black belt. He has come up through 20 years of tradition. So he bows his class in. Do you know what I mean? Whether they're wearing a gi or not. Um, and that's a thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, jujitsu, sometimes they train in just a rash guard and shorts. Sometimes they train in a full gi and it's a different set of techniques and rules for, for both styles. Um, but he still bows in both. You know what I mean? Even though one is definitely more for competition and cage fighting and the other one is self-defense and sport, we'll say, um, they both have the roots in the in the tradition of bowing and that's one thing that both of us take from our traditional martial arts and and give to people who don't necessarily train that way um and you know what the coolest thing for me is when they just do it and they don't they don't like there's no turning their nose up at it or whatever once in a while you get a little kid turn their nose up at it like i don't want to bow maybe they go to church or something and like they think they're doing some like weird thing And you just, like, explain to them, like, this is like a handshake. It's like shaking hands with everybody else in the room before you go into the room. It's like, oh, okay. Everybody does it. It's not like we're we're not bowing to anything. We're just bowing in. It's like, oh, okay. And a lot of times the parents are kind of into it because it's like taking your shoes off when you come in from the house or putting your coat up on the rack or whatever. So parents love that kind of stuff. Um, And I don't know. What do you guys think? What kind of, like, balance have you been able to, especially with saber training? So let's bring it right back to the to the topic of the actual podcast as a whole. With saber training, Kay, like, you particularly have a little more tradition when you train people with saber. Now, I know Alan and I, we have our systems and things that we mm-hmm. based off of tradition and whatnot. But I know that for you, like, when you you're really about like, this is how you hold it. This is how you stand. This is how you, especially with beginners. So how Mm -hmm. has it been to, to balance that tradition versus kind of the new age, get up and do it. So I have two frames of thought, right? If if it's something that I'm training directly, um, you know, especially in two handed, right. And that's very similar to Kenjutsu or Kendall, right. Uh, Eastern style, um, you know, I try to stick with the mantra, right? Basically, you still, you, know, you start with respect and you end with respect, right? Um, that's just, you know, that's just, a, you know, it's an Eastern thing. It transcends Japan, Okinawa, you know, Korea, China, right? I mean, it's just a thing. It's, you know, it's just like the gentleman's, you know, like the, the gentleman salute or the, you know, the, you know, and Eastern, uh, Western fighting. You well, know? even so, like you, you walk around the cafeteria in high school, what do the dudes do? They nod their head yeah. at each other or they duck their head at each other. You know, they, they yeah. bob their forehead at each other. They bow. They're yeah. bowing. Yeah. So, 
you know, like, so, you know, if, if it's directly, then, you know, then, you know, I, I hold them to some standard. But what the cool thing about the Saber and, you know, the Saber, you know, the, the, the world is, is that it's kind of built in. That respect is built in, right? So I hardly, I've, I've hardly come across, even people that I don't know, I've hardly come across people that don't salute or they don't bow, right? They don't, they, that, that don't do that. They, they show, they show their form of respect before you engage right, in, a, right. in you know in, in a match or a duel right right so i thought i thought that's really cool hence the reason why i haven't been like how do you say it? like overly oh you got to do this you got to do that I mean, my, my sensei you know jacket isn't on per se you know um so the, but which is really fun for me because i get to come out of that shell you know mm, and okay. so I mean, you know I, I look at it that way but if it's something that's you know like if it's like a me it's like a one-on-one training or you know, three to one, small group to one. Um, yeah, no, no. It's just you know, I, I in in those kind of situations, I still make sure. Hey, look, we're working together. We're sharing our knowledge, right? You know, we we got so we got to hold and we got to respect each other. So I mean, hence you know, the bow the bow is important to me. You're creating almost yeah. a new a new tradition out of the traditions you're used to, and and that really yeah. like, uh, you know, I have um I have one friend. He just um. You know, he just had a bare knuckle boxing match and like that's different than what he's used to. Most of his pro fights have been um, MMA and he's never like he's he's a white belt in jujitsu, but he's never had a jujitsu match. You know what I mean? Um, He's had two pro boxing bouts. So it was a different thing for him, but he approached his training camp very much similar to how he would approach all of his other training camps. So in a sense, creating a new tradition for a new sport that he's getting into. Right. But yeah. Kay is interesting to me. Um, it's kind of sounds like you, you're like hungry for, for to find that balance between the, the tradition and the new, <laughs> like, which is kind of interesting given what I know about your background, given what Alan knows about your background. It's just interesting to me um, because a lot of people with similar backgrounds to you, that's not necessarily, um, that's not been my experience that that's what they're into. Mm. You know, though, I mean, it, it's funny that you pick up on that because even in the traditional karate world right now, um, there's a lot of things going on, especially with, you know, it being considered for the Olympics, right? Um, especially here in the United States, you know, even within the traditional world, uh, you know, there's the 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 group called the USN, USANKF. Mm-hmm. I know it's a long, long acronym. They all are. It, it's all good. Yeah. You get but used they, to they, it. <laughs> yeah, these guys are the what's it called? These guys are the um, the ruling organization you know, that's linked to the World Karate Federation. You know, they're tied to the USOC, the IOC. I mean, long story short, these guys run the show, right? Um, and it's coming to the point where, like, look, the new it's new school now, right? And so it's getting to the point where a lot of the old school teachers are kind of being left behind because or the you know because it's all sport karate now that the traditional old school teachers are kind of being literally like oh um we respect you but we don't necessarily need you anymore right uh, which kind of sucks you know uh because not everybody is in the competitive you know side of the martial arts right and so i you know i for one never want to see teachers that especially the pioneers that brought the martial art to the states i don't want to see them get hurt number you know number two they are not you know, irrelevant, you know, they are, you know, they have other things they can teach them, even though they can't do technique, 
That's important. Right? And that's important. Yeah. And Keep so, I, yeah, no, I, but I map that same feeling onto, you know, how I look at sabers, right? And especially with, you know, especially now, especially you know, in my circles, HEMA really dominates, right? The lightsaber world, right? Um, and so, you know, especially with combat con TSL, you know, people fighting cavalry, officer saber, you know, um, it really dominates. I mean, and it, it, the thing is, it works, right? In in the in the industry, right, or in the world. It context is everything, as yeah. as we talk about often. But context is everything. So, in the rules of point fighting, yes, yes, it's there's some good stuff there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. It, yeah. Let, let's be fair. Just as a martial art, there is great stuff all across the board. Um, oh yeah. But and, and that's the thing. In general, it, it, HEMA point fighting, that's a thing they do a lot of. Yeah. Just yeah. like in karate, point fighting is a thing that they do a lot of, which I mentioned earlier, that's the way I fight still even though I train differently. You know, I have to get good at like defensive wrestling and things like that, but I still fight like a point fighter because that's what I – now, I can I can rock you. I can do this. I can get up against the fence. I can clinch all these things that point fighters don't do. But when we're out and about, <laughs> right? So you got to have your tradition still. Yeah. See, because that's the thing. Like you hit it right on the head right now. Point fighting right now, like, you know, especially like in that that realm, style doesn't matter anymore, right? It's more about you have to learn, you have to be able to fight like a point fighter. But what differentiates you is how you incorporate what you have in, you know, from your style that you can incorporate, you know, guys that, you know, that can do long range, you know, like upper strikes, you know, cutting strikes, right. Uh, you know, reverse hook kick, right. You know, Udamawa Shigeti, like all these things that are big point getters, you know, especially with Olympics now. Well, even organizations like karate combat or take it into a bigger oh, yeah. scope, something like the UFC, um, you know, uh, this is not a free commercial for them. This is just to say, like, these organizations are allowing people who, like, we're starting to see a resurgence of sort of the karate versus wrestler and taekwondo black belt versus freestyle grappler, you know? Yeah. And um, when, when like, what did they used to call it? NHB, no holds barred fighting, first came out, right? <laughs> yeah. um, that was the recipe. It was take somebody who's really a traditional specialist in one thing and put them against their traditional specialist in another thing or a guy who likes to drink beer and fight at the bar. And <laughs> that was the recipe until people started to take all of those traditions and create their little, like, everything pizzas, we'll say, yeah. and became known as MMA, right? But yeah. Now you're starting to see a resurgence, I, I think, of the technicians and traditionalists. Um, not to say they don't still do everything. They have to or they won't be able to fight well. Even, yeah. But even your traditional karate guys who fight in karate federations or people who do kung fu uh, like forms as their main form of competition, they're still training with people who do MMA or who wrestle yeah. or who, because those looks that they're going to give you, it's just a fresh thing that your body's going to, going to react to differently and this and that, you know, they're going to do what works, right? Yeah. What's, you know, what they feel is effective. So yeah, I mean, we'll see things. I mean, that's what we're seeing in the saber world now where 
oh, from Arizona, right, is, you know, been very successful doing this. I'm going to start training like he does. Right. right? And, you know, so yeah, I just want to kind of end that note. But people say the same thing. Actually, that's interesting. And, and Alan, this might dive into what, what I wanted to ask you. Um, the, I was, again, talking to my boss about this. It's like, oh, you know, I want to try that thing that Anderson Silva did. Or I want to try that thing that John Jones, you know, knocked out, blah, blah, blah with. It's like, wait a second. You are not that person. Now, I can show you the move or I can explain to you how he got there. But you're not that person. Why don't you learn how how you are, right? And I can, again, show you the tradition. I can show you how to do, but you're not a, like Alan said, you're not a human doing. You're a human being. So you have yeah. to take it and be a part of the, the process. Um, yep. And so, Alan, what I was going to ask you is, you know, we're talking about balancing out this tradition and also – kind of getting inspiration to train in at all. Um, like when people come in, cause I know you've been doing a lot of more like beginner saber classes and, and training mm-hmm. with people who, um, they're really, their, their main scope of training is just sparring, um, you know, and, right. and trying to glean some information out of just sparring. What, what is it like to try and get them enticed by going back to fundamentals and trying to get people to see? Because I know what it's like been like for me, a little bit like pulling teeth with some people and a lot like painting pictures with other people. Um, what is right. it? What is it like trying to get people invested in, in the fundamentals and the tradition, even if that's not what got them there in the first place? So let's go back to bowing because that's really uh, where everything starts, right? If we're looking at, you know, getting people to come back, they got to know it's consistent. So if you bow, if you bow one week and then you don't bow next week and then maybe three weeks later you bow again, whatnot, then they get a little rough on, it's like a whiplash effect, right? So getting somebody to, um, get the balance between tradition and um, maybe uh, be inspired to come back is to kind of look around and look at the space, um, the environment. The, so we talk a lot about this uh, with, with the teachers, that you have to provide an environment conducive to learning. Um, and if you don't have an environment conducive to learning, then it's generally speaking, not going to work out 99% of the time. What do I mean by that? Well, number one, do you have a dojo? Are you in the park? Are you in traffic? You know, what is the, uh, what is actually going on? If there is not a head instructor or somebody that's leading the class, then it kind of gets chaotic. Um, the only time that's really, in my mind, not really acceptable, but sometimes it, it, it is uh, necessary. The only time that there there isn't is usually a, a, a style of teaching we call Shaolin Courtyard, which is basically people have come back and they're working on a specific thing. And the head teacher walks from one student to another student to another student, teaching them as you go. 
but that does take a little bit uh, to get there. If you're a brand new student, if it's, it's your first class, right, it's enough to just be drive to a new place, right? That's like, that for some people, especially in this day and age, you know, anxiety is already up. Oh, you know, oh my um, gosh. I went the, through this, like I said, wall, two years ago, <laughs> driving into yeah, a new place, the wall, teaching the walls are, martial arts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the walls are up. I, I don't know who, am I, uh, what am I going to expect? And it lasts, right? so when you walk it lasts the- past your first friend. You know what I mean? The first mm-hmm. truly nice person that shakes your hand, you're still a little bit like nervous. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, usually usually it goes all the way through the end of the class. Well, and and it's a weird thing of like it's not really about who can beat up who in a fight, but you know that that is the underlying concept of the situation. So that adds tension even without you being aware of it. You know what I mean? You're just there's just danger all around, even though that's the furthest thing from what most people are thinking about is hurting each other. You know, it's a weird it's a weird balance in in that as well. Right. It, it comes. It, it shows up. Every single student has two questions. Whether they have specifics and details that will vary. There are ten thousand details, but they have two questions. One is can you teach me and second is can i learn here um so if the environment in itself the 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 bells and whistles if it's not you know a place that puts them at ease uh that 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 will address those two questions and that in itself is kind of like ice skating uphill you can get there but it's going to take a lot of work um so for example, I'm going to use, use myself as an example here. When we do a new person class, people drive from all over the place in Phoenix, um, in the Phoenix metropolitan area. Some people drive for almost an hour because they live about an hour away on, uh, um, in, in our city to the place that we, we've decided to, to operate out of. And they're okay with that for the first class. What's on their mind is, do I want to spend an hour every week, every other week right? in the car to get there and yep. then go back. Yep. So that, that it, it doesn't matter if I was giving the class away for free. It doesn't matter if I was paying them to show up. You know, what, what matters is time. Time is the one resource that you can't get any more, right? You That's have right. a, yeah, you, you, you can't pay anybody for a little bit more time, unfortunately. Oh so, uh, what a concept, what we're doing, yeah, what we what we want to do is to make their experience as good as possible, so that they can maybe answer that question themselves. Like, yeah, you know what, this is. And for sometimes it's like, yeah, you know, I can do this. But sometimes, depending on the time of your your life that you're in and your your schedule of you know surviving, you know, you might not be able to make it, which is okay too, um, because because it's not this particular place in time where you can make it work. You have to be for both. This is a two way street. This is the teacher. This is the student. Maybe this is just training partners. Maybe there's not necessarily a coach in the situation. Maybe it's just training partners. You're getting together on a Sunday and in the park and, you know, like many of our groups started doing um, and or, or after hours at the dojo, you decide to start taking the foam weapons or the bokeh and making a mess, right? with with your fellow teachers and things um it's a good idea if you haven't done that by the way it's a, it's a great fun um but 
you have to be inspired to progress. Okay. For, for this to work in both directions, you have to be inspired to progress. And inspiration is one of those things that can sound cheesy, but is super important in its purest sense. And, um, it's like, you almost have to find it all the time. You almost have to constantly be inspired because in this particular activity, you're getting hit. So that in and of itself might be inspiration for some, but for some it's inspiration never to come back. And there has to be some way for you to feel like there's progression and you don't always nail it. Like as a teacher, I definitely don't always nail that. I definitely sometimes will bow a class out and be like, man, I could have done better some this way, that way, whatever I could have. It just wasn't clicking the way, you know, there was no inspiration to progress there. There was no progression scene there. Nobody earned a thing. Nobody learned a thing that they, it was all review or what. So, you know, a good practice for me personally has been like disguising repetition. It's a, it's a, you know, teacher catchphrase, but disguising repetition is, is like a great tool for tradition versus, you know, get, just get out there and do something new. Um, it's a great tool for inspiring people to progress because, you know, you're not progressing if you're practicing the same thing over and over again, but you are progressing if you practice the same thing over and over again. Bruce Lee told us you were, and he was right because I practiced a million and a half sidekicks. It's now like one of four things I do when I spar and I nail them all the time. And it's just, that's not to say I have a great side. I'm just saying I was inspired by various things along the way that led me to the point that I am now and the way that I do things now. So, you know, I want to hear from both of you guys, obviously, but let me just insert myself in the situation. One thing that inspired me to get better at just plain like fighting, like sparring, you know what I mean? Um, I've always been really good at the traditional side of martial arts gotta respect the curriculum itself becoming a teacher just i've been good at the tradition and the pomp and circumstance the semantic all of that stuff fundamentals i'm just really good at that but i never cared that much about competing so i didn't necessarily have a great or bad competition career was just kind of a short like I won some trophies and then sometimes I didn't and I was totally fine with that because when I became a coach all of the kids were won trophies at one time another were all the time and you know that for me was way more valuable as an inspiration to progress but then I had a student this is the climax of the story here. I had a student who was in her mid forties at the time. Now she would be in her mid fifties. Um, and she was like a green belt or a brown belt, which is like, you know, every style has a different color system, but that would be pretty close to black belt. That would be within about year and a half to two years of black belt for any given student. Um, or a year and a half to two years from going four-year black belt, we'll say. And she decided at that age that she wanted to enter 
like sparring competitions and not just like point fighting. Yes, she entered point fighting, but also continuous fighting, which is a different beast. Um, and you have to train for both of them a little differently because if you don't break in point fighting, when the word break is called, you could just lose altogether. Whereas in continuous fighting, if you don't even like, if you don't hear them, you might want to keep going because you might get rocked yourself because the other person might not have heard them and you got to protect yourself at all times. You know what I mean? So you Mm -hmm. wait until you absolutely hear them and you see that there's enough space between you to stop. So it was a totally different way of training and, but it was like completely, it almost got me to the point where I felt like I wanted to compete. You know what I mean? Um, But I didn't, it was like good enough for me to feel like, I could get her to a point where she was winning. I think she won like in that order third. And then the next time she won a second. And then the next time she won a first, you know what I mean? Um, And then she also competed in Kata and things like that. And I'm going, you know, at like 44, 45 years old, that's not old, but that's, you know, most people are not thinking about competing in martial arts competitions especially not nationally ranked competitions. Now she's, you know, got a serious day job and she decides to come in three, four days a week and train this and pay extra money, you know, pay extra gas mileage and things like that. So that inspired me at a time where I was kind of feeling like, um, Like I just earned my black belt and I was feeling that first degree beginner thing. You know what I mean? Um, I was just feeling like, what's next? What do I do here? I learned one kata and practice it for the next eight years. Like pretty much, but you teach. And then you see what happens when your students learn. And that was proof for me. That was like one of those moments where I was like, oh, this is. Maybe maybe I'm doing something that I should be doing, and maybe I'm seeing progression now. So, got, give give me something. Either one of you, give me something where you kind of had like a little a little inspiration yourself that you saw a little progress in yourself, whether it was from a teacher or student perspective. See if we want to go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, easiest thing for from me to say is that you know. Every time you walk out of the dojo, you're inspired to do better, right? It's, it's very easy to say when you're, when that's all your mindset is for the past 30 years. But for a new student, they have to learn that kind of thing. Like every time, yeah, every time I, I go into a school, uh, doesn't matter if it's my school or not, it, it's one of those things where I'm just like, like, wow, I'm here again. This is awesome. I get to learn something today whether it's about myself or somebody else, I get to learn. And it's the mindset of the, I mean, everybody has a different word or set of words for it, but it's the the mindset of uh, always a white belt, right? You go in there and you're just like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know that I'm going to get something out of this. But that's been kind of like the uh, always sharpen your sword sort of story for when you bring your feet together and you bow. So again, it, it's, it's a, another part of discipline. It's another part of, of uh, setting your mind, another part of what 
we've trained for decades to, to be done. But if it's a new student, they don't know that yet. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, it's like a baby learning how to walk. They don't know exactly how you guys are doing it. They just know they can't do it yet. And they try to, to emulate it and then eventually they get it. So it, it's one of those things uh, for me, at least that inspiration is, is not necessarily something that um, much like respect is expected. It is inspiration is earned. Um, and this, this might be a whole nother podcast, but there, <laughs> in my tradition, uh, we're, we're taught eight principles of, of being a successful human being, basically. You know, um, first off is making sure that you have a strong mind, you know, and uh, a disciplined mind, a focused mind. Um, and then you use that in order to train your body to be strong, flexible, you know, basically not derelict. Um, and then that in itself, if you have a strong mind and a healthy body, will give you the ability to actually, you know, get up in the morning. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. the ability to uh, have a balanced relationship. That's um, something to inspire just... you as well. Like when it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not always easy to wake up in the morning. The older, the yeah. older, the oh, older you get, not just talking physically, sometimes mentally, some stuff on your mind that is just not easy to get up in the morning and, and face. So that's why those are the first two principles. Truth. Right. That, that's, that's why they're the first two principles. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, really good. That, um, yeah. It's cool. cool and to then, bring up. That that makes it so that you can get up in the morning and have a balanced relationship with not just yourself but with other people because now that's um, the key to your own compassion with yourself and compassion with others. Inspired to wake that, up and do something. Yeah, well, basically, it means that you can tell yourself what you need, not necessarily what you want, mm-hmm. and that's that's you know being balanced in relationship with yourself is, is something that everybody has to deal with. And balance is not a, not a fixed state. Sifu, it's so funny. You say that, that need versus what they, yeah. <laughs> really mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah. We're, we're undergoing a renovation. Um, yeah. this renovation was supposed to be done like five months ago. So sure. it, it's, yeah. it's, it's 98, 99% done. Anyway, we had mm-hmm. one of the, one of the tech people here and, um, we're explaining what the owner wants versus what I had sort of consulted with the owner as what mm-hmm. I thought might be feasible versus sure. what the tech guys had come in and explained to me was feasible. And what I understood was a little clearer than what the owner understood. Owner's sure. not a, owner's not a tech guy, different levels of smart. Yeah. Okay, nobody's stupid sure. in this situation, but different levels of smart, right? Hmm. Different right. avenues of smart, we'll say. And um, that's what the tech guy was saying. He's like, you know, some people think they know what they want, but what they have to be told is what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, but how do you like explain that when they don't understand what you're saying? And he's like, that's why I'm getting paid to be here. And he said, you don't, right. you don't worry about, it. you know what I mean? And anyway, right. I just figured it was funny that you brought that up. I didn't want to jump on your, your. Well, well, that's a, that's a good point because you know, if you're a hammer, all your problems look like nails, right? Yeah. So, but what if you need to cut a piece of wood? 
<laughs> right. <laughs> no, damn true. Damn true. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, strong mind, healthy body, you know, uh, balanced relationship, uh, that, that itself will give you, uh, I guess the, the easiest word to say is will the, the willpower to, to actually keep going. That's a, that's a word that might be a podcast in itself. I'm going to write that down um, right now. So willpower, willpower is, is especially in this day and age when we talk, when now we finally, we are actually able to be open about mental health yeah. and things like that. Notice it's principle number four. It's actually really hard to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, for it always feels my, better on the other side of that, that, that yeah. feat though, we'll say. Like treat it like a video game, right? Like an RPG. Like when you earn right. that feat or that that willpower boost, like you feel mm-hmm. it in the game. You know, it's it's interesting because like uh, or at least for for me, my Facebook feed, there's always like game game your blah blah blah. So whatever your goal is, game your goals now is 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 the biggest uh, way to sell something. <laughs> but that that's this is what I'm saying though is like that it takes work to get there. Yeah. It takes repetition. It takes um, the inspiration to keep showing up, even though you don't feel like it, yeah. right? So, but that's that's the thing that will create willpower. It's like the uh, the whole thing where, like, first day of Navy SEAL training, you drown. Like, <laughs> you know, after that, everything else is easy because you already drowned. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then, and the fifth principle is now inspiration. Because after, after you get all of that, you know, if you have a positive mind, you have a healthy body, you have a balanced relationship with yourself and with others, and the will to keep showing up, then you can, uh, you are inspired to be better. Um, and it's number five. It's, you know, five, you got five digits on your hand. That is a complete person. You know, and that's the thing is inspiration and will um, sometimes, sometimes they're flipped around. Sometimes you need the inspiration for will, and will will create inspiration and makes you inspirational. So very uh, nice, Alan. I like the way you just walked that out. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's something that that's addressed again the first moment you walk in the door, because something inspired you to walk through that door. Something inspired you to go, hey, you know what? I want to go check this thing out. It 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 might be a fun way for me to actually gain focus, lose weight, um, you know, learn concentration, learn something traditional, but whatever it is that, that got you to get in your car or on the bus or however you got there and meet somebody for the class. That's what, what uh, I try to find in the new students. Like what inspired you to be here? What what are you actually looking for? It's easy with our activity too. Like this, right. just to bring it back to the again the topic of the podcast. If you're like a teacher listening and and you do like lightsaber training in your school or whatever, um, what LED saber? You know, Mickey, I'm I'm sorry, dog. You know, I love you, Mickey. <laughs> um, anyway, like for for you people who are who are listening like that like it's easy people like star wars people like swords people think bruce lee movies are cool so like 
it's easy to get people invested. They like these things. All of these things can kind of be found just by going to like, you know, somebody who, who likes lightsabers um, and, and saying, do you want to fight? And, you know, it's, it's easy if you're, you're trying to get people active, but like you said, once they're there, now what? Um, and, right. and then the next time, now what? And then the next time, right. now what? Because even if they come back a dozen times and they're inspired a dozen times to come back, they're still the Baker's dozen. Then there's number 14. Then they got to come back for their quinceanera. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Well, that, that's the, the the beauty of martial arts. But again, if you never, a lot of times people that have done martial arts uh, already going into saber training tend to do better, right? Yeah, um, sure. Because they, they already, they've already tasted that culture. They're kind of the they one know, percenters already. Right, they have they have the mindset of what yeah. to expect. Skill level aside, with with class. physical skill, we're just talking about Correct. their mm-hmm. their basis is already there. Correct, and then the, that's the the thing. Like, if you have never done martial arts before, this is an amazing opportunity to merge two of your oh yeah um, quote unquote nerddoms together. Right, great so way to dip your arts, toe nerdum and <laughs> star wars nerdum that you can mesh and then you can have your chocolate with your peanut butter and all that fun stuff but that that's the uh, the way uh to kind of mesh them together and and the way tradition and um i guess uh sport or i guess inspiration can can match isn't that star wars too star wars is so popular in my opinion this is not a scientific fact but it's so popular in my opinion um and it's why i still love it because it's relatable to the stuff around us in like the present day we recognize that it's futuristic but we're told at the very beginning that this is a long ass time ago so it's such a cool like thing that you can't really wrap your mind around, but you can completely understand. And I feel like lightsaber martial arts, saber martial arts is a thing that, like you're saying, it, it can kind of hook in all, all that past, present, future, all those people who would train for those different reasons because we do have people who hold black belts in Kenpo, people who hold no belt but did some jujitsu for six months, people who hold, um, you know, uh, some golden gloves experience in boxing, people who wrestled in high school, people who, you know, did MMA or had pro MMA careers. Um, You know, Penguins had a pro MMA fighter for a long time. And it's just... like it's kind of a nice magnet for for all these people but coming back is hard even for those die hard Star Wars fans the one percenter martial artists it's hard to do I think personality is a big part of it you can't win a fight with personality though you do need to have some technique and maybe sensei this is a good place for you to jump on the tricycle like we talked a little bit about like YouTube being a great tool, but it, it is not the book. It's the cliff notes. 
you know, you do have to do it. Students have a way of putting their senseis or, you know, sifus on a pedestal. And, you know, and it's, there's some, there's some, there's some good things to that. There's some bad things to that. Uh, But I'll tell you one thing, almost 99% of the senseis that hate that, you know, that get put on that pedestal hate being put on the pedestal. No, but first and foremost, because I think all the good senseis that I know, they're still students. They're students first. All right. And, you know, they're, and the thing is, is that they're looking for their own inspiration to keep training, right? And going, taking it back to the inspiration piece, right? Um, I have been fortunate to have many instructors that I've been close with, especially my direct sensei here in the United States. He hates put, uh, being put on a pedestal. And, you know, and I hate to say I'm the one putting him there, right? Because of tradition, right? Because of the fact that he, he needs to be recognized because of his knowledge and his, and it's not just his knowledge, but his ability and what he brings to the table when he, when he shares his knowledge. That's right. That's what it all comes back to. That's what you're all building, excuse me, building towards. Yeah. See, and my, my dad used to harp on me a lot when I was a kid. He says, okay, do you know the difference between a dojo and a school? Right. You know, and it's funny because people will be like, wait, wait, isn't a dojo a school? And he says, not technically, right? A school is somewhere where you can get taught, right? A dojo is, you know, and, and this is, you know, this, there might be some fundamental differences, but my belief and my father's belief is that dojo is where you go to, how do you say, um, polish what you've been taught. To actually work on it. We, my my teacher, um, I'm sorry, I'll let, like you can see, my teacher had a similar, obviously in English, obviously um, we call it a dojo, we call it a school, we call it a, you know, classroom, whatever. But we also recognize that the whole building is the dojo when you come here. If you're working on you, it's the dojo. Um, but the word in English that we chose to use was studio, right? Mm. Like... And the the reason is when I asked that my boss true. like why why studio why not school you know because isn't like similar thing isn't that a more direct translation it's like in my opinion studio is a more direct translation because like where does an artist go to create the studio where does an artist go to practice their fundamentals the studio the same studio. And they go to that studio every time they work on them. Yeah. So the the Chinese characters basically translate to the place where you go practice your path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I so. think you know whatever word you choose to use is fine. You know, or, you know, around here the word is gym. They go to the gym, but that word has like a heavier meaning than just the people who come there to lift weights. Those people are just going to the gym. But when somebody who's practicing martial arts says they're going to the gym, it's a different thing. Their mind is changing before they get there. Their heart is probably going through a little bit of a rhythmic difference over the course of the time it takes them to get there. Like Alan was talking about the first time. But you go through it every time. When they finally wrap their hands or put on their gi... Or just change their shorts and throw that mouth guard in like there's another shift in the whole person. And 
you can't just go to the gym for that, <laughs> you know? Right. There, there is something <laughs> to be said about, um, the ceremony of, of martial arts, learning, doing, being like, it takes all if, those different forms, but it's all the same. Right. Well, the, the, there is a thing. I mean, you talked about, about it before about, uh, your gi and everything like that. Um, or like a rash card or something right, like that. But right. one of the things whatever your thing is. Yeah, whatever whatever it is. I mean, there was a lot of thought in just the uniforms of uh, our school that I learned Kung Fu in just because of, you know, okay, well are we gonna go traditional? Uh, you know, if if we're gonna teach Hungar, then we'll wear Hungar uniforms. Okay, let's take a look at the Hungar uniforms. Holy crap, we look like jeans. <laughs> okay, let's try try a different thing. Okay, well, we also teach northern uniforms. Okay, we'll do northern uniforms. Great. Oh, man, those are long sleeve, and we live in a billion-degree weather. Okay, let's go somewhere in between. You know, there, there's, there's like a whole... <laughs> Come up with your thing. version. And, yeah. Right, and then and then some, some schools uh, wear T-shirts and their belts uh, and some big, big flowing... Yeah, big flowing pants, and then some. Uh, in some classes that we teach, you actually have to wear wear a full on like double weave judo gi. And some classes, it's just like, no, I'm just gonna wear my my uh, my awesome shirt, and then because I'm a master teacher, I have my master teacher's jacket on. So it's like one of those things where um, even that speaks to the the eyes that don't see, right? Um, but they still take in the things just the just it's like looking at a, a military uniform you know who is a higher rank you know by the color of their uniform by the how many bars are on it how much uh you know how many pins they have or even chest. just the way the person in it wears it right <laughs> right and you know it's one of those things where where that environment in itself will is is the most like attractive thing about what we're doing it's so funny you say the uniform when i see black belts i look at both sides of that i look at like the ones who are wearing all the badges and things and the ones who are not and I, neither one is bad because there's times where certain people will wear certain uniforms but they might have a different one that they it, it, it military martial arts all of that there's reasons for different get-ups right but let's just say like a general group of black belts in their best, their most appropriate uniform for, for just like a seminar or something, right? Like a normal good training uniform. <laughs> you can always tell like just based on like body language, you can almost never tell based on whatever merits are, are listed especially when it comes to like stripes on a belt or, or on the sleeve or, or a couple of extra patches or something. It's like, you can never tell until you really just pay attention to body language. And if you get a chance to train with that person, you can really tell. Right. That's, that's the thing. Like I tell people all the time when they first meet me, like, you know, yeah, I'm a six degree black belt, but you know, that and five bucks will buy me a beer. It's not, it's not something that is, again, it's not something that you're doing. It's something you're being. 
right? So if, if I am, you know, in master teacher mode and I'm teaching and I can, I can do that, then usually, usually the, there's a little bit more gravitas in, uh, you know, in what I'm doing, what I'm saying. But if I'm just, you know, hanging out on the in the backyard, you know, uh, during one of one of our barbecues, and it's not, you know, I'm 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 just one of the guys. Yeah, I, there's no you know, need to point. tie tie the belt. Here, here's a cheat code for you, Sensei. It's the Konami Master Code of Martial Arts. I'm not saying do this, but <laughs> but you can go on Amazon right now and become a black belt in karate. For about eight dollars, including shipping. Nice, right? <laughs> you can right, but I'm not saying do that. That's like that willpower, that discipline. That that's what you're missing the point of. If you are, let's just say, somebody who is a Star Wars nerd and wants to get together with other Star Wars nerds and fight with lightsabers, I encourage you to do so. But I don't encourage you to go on Amazon first, buy a black belt, call yourself that, and then start teaching people something you don't know. We're talking about getting inspired to actually progress. Maybe here's a healthy way to do this. You put out a bulletin whatever that means to you you know your blogs or whatever the local game shop the local martial arts school that you used to train at when you were six seven eight years old right and you got the blue belt and you never went back who cares go back maybe they need some extra some extra you know traffic um mm -hmm. go talk to these people and say hey who wants to learn with me Maybe we come up with a rank system together. Maybe we test each other. Maybe we get somebody who, you know, like let's say they're trained they they decide to to link up with a martial arts school that teaches a little bit of XYZ weapons training, right? Like get that teacher to check mark you a, a requirements sheet. You know what I mean? Like Find some interest. Use that YouTube resource, to, but don't pretend. Get, get your boots on the ground. Do the things that some schools don't do. Spar when you're a little nervous about what you know versus what other people know. You know, as a teacher, I'm nervous all the time about sparring because I, like I said, I got to put my money where my mouth is <laughs> you know if i'm telling you that this sidekick works and you're gonna waste any because sensei you know not the easiest kick to teach definitely not the easiest no. kick to do if it's not a thing that you've been drilling since you were like five years old right mm -hmm. if you have you're like why the hell can't you just sidekick <laughs> <laughs> right something fundamental but then some people have never had to do something like that, or they've never had to do a double leg takedown. So why the hell would they care where to put their hands or their forehead? Right. And, um, these kinds of things don't pretend that you just know the solution. I think it's so much more valuable when you're so honest with people. I know like Tuesday's my day where I get to teach the class I want to teach. I came up with the curriculum on my own. My boss was like, you get, all the money you get all the fame fortune and 
you know, as obviously there's very little of. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Wednesday, the people I'm teaching are using the stuff I'm teaching on me and it freaking hurts. So <laughs> I'm nervous all the time about like, first of all, can I do it as well as they're doing it back to me? Second of all, well, that was kind of cool that I was able to teach them that, but don't pat yourself on the back until you can do it back also, right? Like, don't tell them that it's pretty cool to learn a spinning hook kick if you can't once in a while make them worry about their teeth. <laughs> right. Oh, can I can I piggyback off please, that really quick? Please, yeah, go for it. Don't don't tell them how to do a spinning hook kick if you can't do one. No, that's what I'm saying. Like. <laughs> or, or like learn it together be like hey y'all want right. to watch this quick like tutorial together because people will do that to me now they know i'm not a jujitsu i haven't i have a clear belt in jujitsu if anybody's wondering mm, um nice. and that doesn't mean i can't grapple a little bit that mm -hmm. doesn't mean i haven't trained with people who are xyz belt in xyz mm -hmm. grappling art or you know state champion wrestler xyz again like but people will bring me all the time like screenshot of like a like a submission or something like can you be the guy getting and it's like they're coming to me as a student asking me as a teacher will you be the guy getting submitted sure yeah that doesn't bother me um because now when they're going is this working? I can go, well, put your arm and then I'll go, okay, your turn. <laughs> All right. Now show me that screenshot again and I'll see if I can lay the submission on. Now I don't need a belt, right? Maybe one day I'll earn some, but I don't need a belt to just now see some progress, be a little inspired. And I didn't have to like get down on my knees and beg my students for forgiveness that I didn't know what the hell they were talking about the instant they asked me. Right. Like they were totally cool with me walking it back with them. And sometimes mm -hmm. I say some stuff that makes no sense and they'll be like, "Red eh, doesn't seem okay. Cool. Let's try this. You know, and it's not always jujitsu. I'm just using that as an example. Like again, saber training, maybe it's HEMA, you know, I've never been to a quote unquote HEMA school, but I've trained a lot of different European weapons. And I've looked at a lot of different European sources or style sources, we'll say, because sometimes they're American or Canadian, right? Or Mexican. HEMA's getting huge in Mexico recently, um, which makes a lot of sense because a lot of the same weapons that were used in the colonial times, right there in the in the Mexican and Spanish traditions. Anyway, point being you don't always have to know. With saber training, people will bring that to you all the time. Techniques that they saw over this person, like you said, "Okay, I saw so and so use this style or this technique." It's like, "Okay, well, I can teach you that." Again, but why don't we walk like what they're doing together? Why don't we see maybe I would do something differently? That doesn't mean you need to do it, but let's see what my let's see what you think. What do you think you might do differently or the same? What do you like about it? Right. 
when I walk this kind of stuff around with 14, 15, 16 year old boys, they love it. They're like, Oh my gosh, I would <laughs> put my foot here and yeah. I would use my pummel like this. And it's like, <laughs> but like when, you know, when you walked up with adults, sometimes they're like, I want to, I want to fight. I want to fight. <laughs> like, just, uh-huh. show me how to fight. No, I can't. I can't, but I can show you. Uh, the show show is such a shallow word you gotta you gotta work together like you said it's not what does a dojo really mean i don't know it's a jedi temple thing that jedi temple training room it's not just like for swinging a saber around yeah it's literally it's a little it's a literally a place to walk the path you like you the know? term woodshed yeah. you ever heard that term yeah <laughs> it's my favorite term <laughs> Just pile up the woodshed, y'all. Yep. So there, that reminds me of the, uh, the, the. I mean, you've probably heard this, right? When you before master teacher chop wood carry water, after master teacher chop wood carry water, right? It, it's a whole. Uh, I mean, dated, but you know we don't necessarily have to do that. But it, the metaphor is there. Well, strong of no body, what strong you're of mind, or, it's all the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is all stuff we continue to do. It's not something, there's no, like the destination, it always changes, right? Mm-hmm. It's always a little bit further, a little bit further. I think you need to have gym heroes too, like that's the that's the current term for it, but well, dojo heroes. Well, that, that's, that's the reason that there are colored belts. Yep. Yeah, that, that, but the, there's a reason also that you know they're separated too. First dan, second dan, third dan. All these things are are, are things to aspire to next. You know. Yeah, you know, I I want to add something to please, Alan please. saying though, it, the difference between master teacher, you know, you know, chopping wood and carrying water, you know, before mm-hmm. and after is how. Mm-hmm. So right. we all do it. We all exactly. do it, but you know. exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's a thing though. It, if as you do it. Yeah. Yeah. As you do it, you figure out ways, right? And yeah. that's as a thing. Um, yeah. My favorite, one of my favorite quotes is, um, "Youth and uh, youth and energy should fear old age." And uh, what was it old age? And uh, so, I think I know where you go. With it. No, I think no. I think the saying is uh, uh <laughs> wait uh, the saying is that uh. Old age and treachery will always treachery, overcome youth and skill. Yeah. Old age, will always, yeah. Old age and treachery. That's will always is. overcome yeah. youth and skill. It's a word that yeah. I don't use very often. That's I don't I either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old age and treachery. That's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, no, I figured out a way how to do this easier. So, yeah. yeah. I'm still chopping wood. I'm still carrying water. But, uh, I, but my way. <laughs> yeah. My teacher was practicing some some self-defense techniques and we, we call them line techniques. You guys might have a different term for it, but everybody stands on a line. One person's at the end facing them and there there's an agreed upon attack or set of attacks, depending on the level of belts you're using. Right. And, uh, my teacher, he's like, he's like 69 at the time. Um, but he jumped right in. So (laughs) what I expected him to do was like, any number of block and two or three counters that we had practiced throughout the 
combinations that we had practiced throughout the class. Instead, as soon as I threw the front kick I was supposed to throw at him, he sidesteps the front kick by a couple of inches and just shoves like a spear hand, like a flat palm, like his fingertips under my throat. And I went like this. (laughs) It was just this tiny little motion because I was the first person to attack him. He had to set this precedent that remember, guys, I can teach you all this cool stuff, but uh, I'll still beat you. Old age of treachery, man. Just <laughs> sidestep and choke me with a fingertip. Oh, so anyway, I think I think it's important to like to like find that balance with your students to where somebody somebody's gotta have the most knowledge in the room, but it only has to be by like twenty four hours. You only have to have or seen for that the te- class. Yeah, you only have to mm-hmm. have seen the textbook first. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's how a lot of well, school teachers get through their first few years. They seen the textbook my, a few weeks first. My point is, you you just need the most knowledge for what you're teaching. Yeah, sure. Like, hey, I can talk to you about ancient kung fu secrets, literally in some cases, and but I wouldn't be able to tell you how to check the gauges in my car. <laughs> right. So it depends <laughs> depends on the context. Uh, of, of what's what's going on right so uh i i've i've been i mean you can quote me you can probably do a supercut of me saying that you know we're all geniuses but also all idiots all at the same time you know it just depends on on, on the subject matter so <laughs> sensei uh let's go let's go to the concept of the dojo here for a moment tell us about a dojo hero of your life Mm, that would be Hamabara Sensei, my Sensei. So he was born in Japan, came to the United States when he was three, uh, born and raised here to Japanese immigrants. Uh, ended up being a uh, Division Three NCAA Division Three. Uh, I think it was like ninety-eight pound wrestling champion. Ninety-eight uh, pounds. Ninety-eight pounds. Yeah. Okay, I took a that was bigger than that an hour ago. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, but this man ends up being my teacher, my dad's, you know, my dad's colleague. Um and uh you know, he is the, you know, he's you know, when I walk around with him like when I go to events or tournaments or whatever and they're looking at and they're looking at me and say, like, "Hey, who's you know, like in the beginning like is that your bodyguard?" <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, no, he's like, "Hey, he's one of my students." Right. And then, you know, like, it's funny because, you know, like when I, when I do get a chance, if I go to a seminar, if I do get a chance to do a little bit of hand to hand, a little bit of sparring, you know, they're like surprised because a lot of these guys think, um, you know, that my teacher, you know, taught me to use my strengths, you know, my size, right. My, my, you know, my reach, that kind of stuff. But, you know, in martial arts, when you're talking about technique and Alan probably knows this the best, I mean, you know, he's been working with Kenny for a long time. Right. Um, you know, they take out, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Right. So what you're teaching them, right, is basically, you know, you know, because, you know, mimicry is like the best form of flattery for a sensei. Oh, my gosh, right? yes. Right. Um, and, you know, you know, like I've gr- he's grown with me teaching me as much as I've grown with him, you know, learning from him. Right. 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 And so, um, you know, the fact, you know, like, you know, I consider him like my second father, you know, because like, he was always at my dad's house. Right. I was always. I was always pouring tea for him. We'll listen to them argue and 
talk about curriculum and that kind of stuff. Right. And, you know, um, you know, he was there on the side when my dad was kicking my ass in the backyard with, you know, mortar bricks and, you know, beams and stuff like an you know, old school cell, you know, and, you know, but he, he, like I said, he's seen me grow. He's taught me, he's ha- taught me how to grow. He's taught me how to, you know, he's been there every step of the way. Has that made, um, sorry, has that made your relationship? I don't want to say troublesome at times, but have there been times where that relationship between you, like, there, there was like a tension that you, it, it definitely sucked until that tension was gone. So when I, before I was a black belt, right, there was a lot of complaints from the parents yep. saying that, okay, yep, yep, getting yep, special yep. treatment because, you know, he's so-and-so's son, he's a sensei's son and this, right. But my dad knew that was going to happen. That's why he had me under his tutelage since I was six. And so that, that my father had, you know, in the dojo had no train. He, he, you know, he kept his hands away from me. Right while in the dojo so i mean there there was a lot of things you know that you know that me being born made it hard for my senses right um but you know he you know he was one of those that i mean this guy is just a just you know he does everything by come follow me right hence the reason why he hates being put on a pedestal because it makes it seem like that you know like it's you know that he's saying oh do as i say not as i do right but he's, I mean, he still, te- he still teaches warm-ups. He's still in there doing calisthenics, doing you know, leg lifts and push-ups and strong everything. Strong of body, like strong that. of mind. It's, yeah. That is inspiring to me when I see just somebody just, you know, he did five push-ups at whatever age or whatever. But, like, yeah, the person in the room who doesn't need to be doing push-ups, right, the old yeah. sensei or whatever – and they still will lead some calisthenics. That is inspiring yeah. as hell to me. Drop through twenty push-ups and then get on with my day going. You know what? I I yeah. did the very least I could do. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. type of person, that type of inspiration is exactly the kind of thing that gets me going. Yeah. So the, talk about tension just recently. This is a recent story too. Uh, so um, normally, right, whenever there's a big event, he likes to be out in front talking because, you know, like he, he likes that kind of stuff, too. So because he was a public speaker, he was the uh, director of social welfare for a large city here in Southern California for the longest time. So, he, you know, he was very comfortable in front of large clouds, crowds. Right. Um, and so I was tasked to bring him on board uh, for one of the largest martial art events here in Southern California called the Nikkei Games. Right. And they, what they do is the traditional martial arts for judo, kendo, and karate, they come together and have a big martial arts event under one roof um, once a year, right? Um, and since COVID, this is the first time they've had it. So, so they, they missed it the last couple of years, so they brought it back. And this year, like, um, one of the guys that I work with, you know the picture I just sent you guys earlier? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the guy on the left, his name is Mike Yamasaki. Um, if you guys ever watch uh, the History Channel's uh, Pawn Stars, right? Uh, he's actually the guy that comes out anytime um, a katana comes out, and he has to be—he has to—he's the appraiser, right? So he'll tell the Pawn Star guys, "Oh yeah, this is uh, fake, or this is real, or this is how much it should be." Well, Mike, you know, I gotta give Mike some props because you know he's the behind—he doesn't like to be out in front, um, you know, doing things, but he likes to be in the back, kind of really helping people out and he was a big contributor to the gay games and he was like okay hey, you need to bring you know how about the sense you gotta gotta bring him out so um uh, i'm setting it up with my dojo i'm setting it up with Hama sensei you know i'm, I'm pretty far from the dojo so i didn't figure i was gonna have a lot of time 
But since he flipped it on me this year, he's like, no, okay, you're doing it. And I was like, what? You know, because, you know, it's, it, it wasn't the expected, you know, like, I mean, I don't have a problem doing it. I, I actually did it, but, you know, he's like, okay, you're doing it. He's like, yeah, it's like, um, it's about time. It's like, you know, you guys start doing more. <laughs> I'm like, some of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, it took me a couple of weeks, you know, to kind of get to wrap my head around it. And then finally, like, I went to Sensei. It's like, okay, uh, here are some of the ideas I have. Uh, just let me know, go, no go. And then, you know, we settled on, you know, like he, you know, he really liked the fact that I was looking at, um, you know, traditional, um, the way that, you know, traditional combinations regardless, instead of some of the newer sport style, you know, or you know, some of the more popular katas, right? Because the thing was, Mike had asked me to do a demonstration about five to seven minutes along with uh, Sakura Kokumai, who was the fourth place finisher in katas at the Olympics. Right? She, <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm like, but the thing is, I was like, Mike, that's it, right? There's nobody else. There's no other demos. Come to find out the day of, and Mike's like, oh, yeah, by the way, your karate is uh, represent, representative because uh, Judo's going to have their demo. Kendo's going to have their demo. You're going to go before Sakura Kokumai. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, we're, we're all behind you. I'm like, <laughs> so, you know, come, come, come to that day, you know, uh, my sensei's laughing at me. He's like, hey, told you. It's like, hey, this is your, it's your turn now. So, you know, he flipped it on me and, you know, we, we got everything going, but it, it just turned out to be, you know, a great learning experience for me in a big venue with a lot of people. Um, you know, I posted some you know videos and photos and stuff earlier, but I got I to gotta give Mike a shout out because, you know, he, he knew that if I was going to, you know, because I hate being put on a pedestal too. So if he told me like my sensei, right, like yeah, I was going to be representing karate as a whole that day, I probably wouldn't have taken it. So... Alan, you got a couple of those with your new gig you're doing in in the Phoenix area. Uh, well, yes, there there's always a couple of really hungry saber people. There's always people that that are willing to learn, and there's always people that are are willing to um, uh, spar and, and everything like that with me, which is really fun. But you know, the the people that keep showing back up, those are my heroes. Um, mm. so consistency is inspiration. For, I like it. Yeah. Well, because if I know that you're going to be there and I'm looking forward to, uh, sharing something with you or having you share something with me mm-hmm. and you don't show up, then it's gonna, then it's, and it's a rough time. Now, now I have perceived loss. Um, but so it's one of those things where, if it's the same thing, like if your teacher, if you're expecting to see your, your martial arts teacher every Wednesday and one Wednesday, they're not there. You you're know, thrown off. First thing. Is, yeah. Yeah. You're thrown off. You're like, well, well where's, where's Mr. Mark? Where's blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's a, there's a whole, uh, I mean, we talk about inspiration, but we should also probably talk about expectation um, because you're not looking for, if you're if you're going to a martial arts school, you're not really looking for the youth pastor vibe, right? <laughs> you're not looking for, um, or maybe you are, and, and you know, shame on me for being reductive. <laughs> some but, schools uh, mix mix it well. Some some are into that. I was always taught to keep each duck in its own pond. That's all. Right, and, and that and it it really depends too, because especially because we're talking about. Um, being able to pan out to more people and being able to um, open up to uh, a greater base uh, and not just martial artists. 
you know, some people want to scratch an itch. They want to satisfy a curiosity. They want to check something off their bucket list and say, yeah, I've, I've done, I did that. Oh yeah, that was fun. You know, I wonder if they're still doing that. And that's really okay. But you have to manage those expectations. That's why one of the first things I ask is what inspired you to be here? You know, what, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a choreography? Cause I'll teach you that. That's easy enough to do. You know, are you looking for combat? Okay, cool. Let's check your gear. Let's make sure that you know what you're getting into. Are you looking for, uh, you know, martial arts? Are you actually looking for form and, and, you know, um, structure? Uh, those are really the three kind of pillars or, 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 you know, you can call them whatever you want, bins, canisters, or whatever, you know, uh, groups that you want to be in. But usually people that do this, they, they come in for a choreo, they come in for combat, or they come in for uh, form. Um, and so if you, if you kind of see like, okay, maybe that's not the first question I ask, but it's going to be in the first couple, you know, that, that I, uh, I see, I mean, besides, Hey, uh, my name's Alan. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's your name? That, I guess is the first one, but it's, uh, it, it's very important to manage expectations. Cause when I don't, I don't tell people like right off the bat, Hey, I've been doing martial arts for 30 some odd years. Um, because that's, whoa, daunting like okay you expect me to do stuff now because you know you've been doing this for three years and no actually i'm just glad you showed up actually you know so i try to come off as as uh, uh unthreatening as possible um because it's already you know a lot coming into a new place and there's swords on the walls and you know there's a huge mural with a guy getting his eye gouged out at least in, in my new place. So it's like, okay, yeah. So it, 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 if, if you can put at ease, like, hey, you know what? This is, this is a friendly place. Oh, cool. You know, um, you don't, well, it, at least at the, the place I'm, I'm teaching out of now uh, with Sabre, they don't, they don't do, they have maps, but they don't do bowing. They don't do anything like that. So like, it's a one in Rome sort of thing. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, break all of their rules in order to in order to teach my my little uh, my little lightsaber class but it's one of those things where it's like okay well this is the culture here so here's how we're going to frame it sure so, nothing wrong with that uh mm-hmm. yeah because it at for example in in my dojo or i guess i teach chinese kung fu my queen, um but we call it a studio as well um where it is Everybody has a last name. We call everybody by their last name. There's, mm-hmm. you know, unless, unless they've trained with us for, you know, more than five years, then, then, then I can be like, Hey, John, put that down. You know, or something like that. But it, 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 it's more of those things. Like I, I can call black belts and kids by their first name. Otherwise they, they, they only exist as a last name, Mr. Miss, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. Yeah, we did the same and, thing and just with first name, Mr. Yeah. or Miss plus their first name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that's the thing is like their um, expectations are set immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Once that happens, your identity in the school is uh, established immediately. There is uh, a rapport, and uh, where you are in that rapport is established immediately. Um, but again, it depends on the, the environment. 
So in, 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 the, in our traditional Kung Fu dojo, it's very traditional kind of paramilitary <laughs> uh, way of teaching. Whereas in the HEMA school, it's kind of like, hey, how's it going? You know, this is the, you know, my name's Alan. You be respectful and polite. Here, you know? yep. Yeah, <laughs> be respectful and polite because I'll, I'll do the same to you. And it, it's very simple and, you know, it's not really. And I, I try to explain. But everything is identical principally. Yes, the, the, uh, that was a, the point I was getting to. Like the principles there are the same. I'm the teacher. You are the student. Please do as I say uh, so that, number one, you don't get hurt and then you also don't hurt anybody else and, and that's the first step and then okay now we can talk a little bit now we can have a little bit more rapport. okay what are, what are you actually into why are you here mm-hmm. do i have to worry about you you know do i have to kick you out it's it's uh, uh sometimes that's the case um so that also depends on your style of teaching because there's there's some people that uh teach by doing you know and uh there are, are people that teach uh auditorily there's people that teach visually so um and then that's the same thing with learning so if um depending on how you you present yourself and what you do like like i said it's like if the eyes don't act that don't actually see you have all these different receptors and and, and things that will tell you whether or not you're in the right place right mm-hmm. as a teacher Students might not always know this. This is kind of what separates somebody who's meant to actually be a teacher versus somebody who holds a teaching position. Um, not necessarily the same thing. Um, and somebody who's meant to be a teacher is able to, even though they might learn a specific way, like you said, they might learn best by listening or by watching and and mimicking or whatever but they know how to use all of the different tools that other people learn with. They know how to speak well if somebody learns best by listening. They know how to do the moves, like we said, like like a picture in the dictionary or the encyclopedia of that art so that a person who learns visually best can see the best way to do it. And they will get into the sparring ring even though it doesn't really matter if they win every match over their students they will get in there to show people look i'm i'm doing the thing i said would would work and if it doesn't work i'm going to be the first one to to stop the class and tell you it didn't work like i do that all the time hey guys 5 minutes ago we wasted the next five minutes. I apologize. Like, let's get away from that move. Sometimes you got to try. And um, sometimes you think it was a different thing. And then you go back and you go, hey, you remember five minutes ago when I told you we wasted time? I, I remembered the right way to do it. I promise you I'm not lying this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody in the room kind of gets this vibe of like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're here to like workshop these things. We're here to yeah. try things out. And um, a lot of times when I do make a mistake like that, it's the student that catches me and it's totally cool with me. I love it because it means you're paying attention. I can't do that for you. I can't pay attention for you. So you're doing the other half of the job in the room that I needed you to do. You know, it's a big deal. It's good. It's good. Good system that way. So the teacher needs (laughs) to be the type of person that can do all those different tools. That is not every type of person. And it's kind of okay. 
if you recognize that about yourself. Right. You know what I mean? I have a very close friend, we'll say. I won't say how close, but a very close friend. And I tell this close friend sometimes, you know, teaching is not necessarily your strong suit. You can show people how to do things, but you're not really a great teacher. And that's okay. Just don't don't tell them you're you're going to teach them something and then get frustrated when they don't get it the first time. Right? Like right. you you have to use different but I showed them the no it's not what I said. You know, like you have to approach this from different angles and so I think recognizing that especially if you're like a saber school and you're a startup saber school with like a bunch of homies recognize the pack leaders and let them get that information first. You know what I mean? Send them the links to the YouTube videos or give them the manuscripts that you found, you know, on the HEMA sites or blah, 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 blah. And and if there's not a lot of experience in the group already, those are the people that you become their gym heroes because you're going to recognize those little character traits over a couple weeks of training. You know, if you meet up every Sunday, every Sunday, you meet a little bit about the person each time. And, um, I think allowing those people to kind of elevate themselves, knights, if you will, Jedi knights, if you will, kind of elevate themselves to those positions or the head Padawans kind of a thing. Um, and and it's not about rank. It's just a way to, to view it. So anyway, I kind of want to shift kind of a, a place that will close out that will talk about the same things we're, we're, we're kind of dancing around. But it's one person. Um, who had a birthday recently, but their birthday was not of this earth anymore. Um, The captain himself, Steve Kirk, uh, a a big inspiration for all of us for many different reasons, Uh, a great friend, um, and a black belt. Just super inspirational to me for many reasons, but... um, you know, it's his birthday, so I kind of wanted to just chat with you guys for a few minutes about about Steve. And for anybody who doesn't know anything about Steve, um, you know, he's he was the sugar daddy of the Saber Martial Arts Foundation. Basically, he um, recognized that there were a few people who, like him, had a vision of practicing martial arts, but also being allowed to be as nerdy as possible. And um, doing it legitimately, doing it in a way that could be, well, I wouldn't, I don't want to say respected, but respectable, um, you know, because there's nothing wrong with RPGing, but you know, to really treat something that that is not real as if it's just this really important martial art, and recognize that. And, um, definitely financially supported us, but more than anything was like everybody's cheerleader. When it came to somebody who wanted to share martial arts, um, and, and Steve didn't even really physically train that much himself. Once in a while, I'd catch him doing some velocities on his deck or something, but. You know, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you guys? What do you guys been thinking about the captain lately? I've been thinking about him doing velocities on his deck a lot lately. I just keep thinking, you know, like literally, like when I was just kind of reflecting, I just keep thinking how small this world is. 
you know, and I keep going back to the, the connecting the dots and who knows who. People might not realize we're in three different states right now. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Two different time zones. Yeah. Um, mainly because, you know, the, I, 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 I in, you know, just, uh, I guess, uh, I guess I can say it to the, to this SMA foundation world, but you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking to bring to something, an event to California. It, it's, it, it, but it's something that honors Steve in this, you know, in California. Um, you know, so look forward to, you know, announcements and stuff. And I know SMA, you know, SMAF and you guys are, I know you guys are on board and you guys are, I mean, Alan, man, I, I got, I got to appreciate the support. Cause he's like, Hey, Kay, what do we need to do? How, how can I help you? You know, it's like, and always I say, Hey, you know, it's okay. Alan, we're good right for right now. I'll let you know, you know, but I appreciate it. Just even, just even that offer, you know, it's like knowing that he's got, you know, he's got the, you know, my back and he's got the, you know, the organization's back and, you know, so. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just, it, I still be will like, just like, just my mind's still blown of how small, you know, the world is because of how I met Steve and I met, you know, and the people that I know in my traditional martial arts and my Kendall side know Steve and how that connection is. And, you know, it, and it's through, you know, a lot of it right now about like this event that we're probably, you know, it's mainly through my, my friends, you know, and the Kendall sides, you know, support that it's going to even be possible too so it's like you know you know it's just neat you know that that steve was you know in the center of all that you know and that the dots connect so yeah that's what i've been thinking for for anybody that's not aware steve died really suddenly in 2019 like a month before he was gonna turn i think 50 um no 40 49 (laughs) um and um uh it's really hard to talk about but um i basically got a call from him less than 24 hours before he died and um i missed that call and that call was while he was hanging out with a bunch of saber friends that we all knew so mm. it was kind of one of those um I don't I don't say that to bring up that specific instance. It's just to say like it was very sudden. It was the kind of thing where w- when I listened to the voicemail the day he died, I like called him back thinking like, oh, I'll just call him back, you know, like, oh, sorry, I missed your call. Like, let's what's up? And um yeah, like there was no answer on the other line until a few days later when when Katie, who people might recognize from the podcast, um told me what happened so you know we're gonna do a, a full tribute episode with katie i think and you know anybody really really close some some smaf ogs but um just the ability to see kind of he made me look at a lot of other martial artists i knew and just other arts i was aware of differently um and I, I, you know, this podcast is about martial arts, but that makes you look at life differently too. Um, and it makes you look at people differently. And like, I probably would not be friends with you two gentlemen, not because we're not interested in the same things or we wouldn't get along. Just because I would never even know you. Uh, there would be, I've never even met Kay in person, met Alan a few yeah, times true. in person, but you know, I've probably spent less than 24 hours around out maybe 48 total hours around Allen in, in physical form. So 
this guy not even my final form <laughs> this guy who <laughs> who like met me through a facebook video i did after hours at the dojo uh just sent me a message like hey you don't suck um what's up with you <laughs> right how come you don't suck what are you doing uh knowing what you're talking about and it's like hold on wait, wait. there are a few of us He's like, yeah, I know this guy named Alan too, right? So <laughs> these these people just kind of come together, and and for this person who really wasn't a martial artist to become so invested in this topic and this type of person, to where he's giving his own money, his own time, his own house, his own friends to people for the sake of martial arts. And we actually promoted him to the honorary rank of black belt. You know, we'll be specific, but it was because it, we were inspired to look at people differently. Like there's a black belt I've talked about before. It just kind of sucks physically that I, I used to teach with sucked physically, but I would always like to teach with him because Every single student in the room can learn from a person who sucks, but is willing to stand in front anyway. And, um, you know, I would use him all the time because his mind was right. And Steve would allow me to look at somebody like that because he didn't physically train the martial arts that much. But when he picked up a lightsaber, he was listening. He knew all his velocities. You know what I mean? He knew all of his positions and stances. And... On top of that, he knew all the tenets and things that his teacher, Eric, had taught all the other students. You know what I mean? So this person is recognizing the value of all this this mixing, right? This MMA thing. But not MMA like cage fighting. MMA like cage fighting plus tradition and respect. Plus the pomp and circumstance of a real martial art coming in and, and showing each other respect. But... Also learning how to beat the shit out of each other respectably. And um, that's a real, <laughs> man, a real cool thing. Absolutely worthy of a black belt, in my opinion. Just the same as that person who couldn't really do a reverse punch to break a quarter-inch board could still teach a class how to do the kata because his mind was right. You know what I mean? His heart was right. And he had the willpower to keep going for 12, 13 years. So, I don't know. Steve was that kind of person to me that kind of like recognized all the, the way that all those things could be valuable for a common cause. I don't know. What do you guys think? Musings. Give me some musings. When I met Steve, it was, uh, it was I want to say 20, 2016, 2015, something like that. 16? 16 sounds right. I think I met him in 15. I met you recently after yeah, that. Yeah, and it was one of those things where you could tell the guy with a polo shirt that has the logo of his uh, group on it is, you know, he, he's, he is important. With the Indiana Jones hat? Yeah, and... Uh, I remember that day really well because um, it was the first time I went out of state for uh, anything Sabre related. And it was one of those things where I was like, I really hope this works out well. And on 
the San Diego Sabres podcast was talking about this. Uh, my wife actually got news. We were in the car, myself, Kenny, my wife, and uh, our roommate. Uh, we basically were in the car, and my wife got really bad news. She, uh, one of her, her uh, friends actually uh, had committed suicide. So she had a, a really bad day that day. And uh, I went, well, we're more than halfway there. So we're going to have to just stick this through. You know, I can't just turn around and go home. Um, and I'm so glad I did because I, I met Eric and Katie, and, uh, the rest of SDS that night that was there, uh, and Steve in person. And we fought and we had fun and it was great. And about a little bit later, I actually got um, my my Di Disney thumbs up. Hey, you can you can do this with uh, you can do lightsaber stuff uh, for Lucasfilm as long as you don't make money. And uh, I reached out to them and I was just like, hey, this is kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of what you guys do. And uh, he was gracious enough to be like, yeah, man, that's awesome. And then I was like, oh, by the way, uh, I got these tickets to San Diego Comic-Con. They want me to do something lightsaber related. Do you guys want to go? I mean, it's your town. <laughs> they're like, uh, who is this guy? Why is he asking us to do some? Okay, well, let's see if you're real. Um, and I showed up. I was like, hey, here's your tickets. They said you guys can all have a, have a guest, too. So here's 20 tickets uh, to, to Comic-Con. And they're like, well, we will uh, be friends. Um, I spent, I spent, I spent a, a few hours with, with a little bit of everybody. Uh, Steve was the guy that was actually uh, the one I was emailing back and forth with. But uh, I didn't see him a lot. Uh, I saw everybody else at the marina. I saw Eric and Katie and Matt and a bunch of other people there. And we kind of just hung out and got to know each other and realized that we could stand each other's company. And then uh, when I finally got around to, to actually meeting Steve and kind of seeing like what, what he does for everybody and kind of doing that, he started to, it started to really click to me that I'm like, yes, this is, uh, this is kind of the, the, this is the attitude that everybody should have this is the like um, real obi-wan right here right or the or, yeah um, I, I, dare i say qui-gon yeah i mean the 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 just openness of uh what he would do and just the philanthropy uh but give people uh, a chance to like take the credit too like yeah he was not well, it, often was ready thing. to take credit for things he was like how can i help you get right. credit for he <laughs> Uh, yeah, he was the type of guy that, that would be in the back, uh, you know, messing with the tech and, and doing all sorts of stuff, but, but he wanted to, he wanted to uplift everyone. And I think that was the, that was the biggest draw for me to be like, all right, man, even if, if, if it's like the attitude of, Hey, how can I help? Do you need help? Do you want help? Is there something we could do? I mean, that's that's the sort of attitude. Uh, I get the uh, the effect that that man had on me was just like, yes, that is actually what I would like to do. I was taught this in the dojo, but I I, I love this. I love seeing it in the real world, 
even though Steve didn't come from a uh, martial arts background, he came from a team background. He came from a team building. And, and he and, lived and in Japan for <clears throat> years, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, was, he knows was, the culture of Yeah, and that, martial that was arts. the thing, is that sort of culture that, that was uh, – uh, that was inherent in uh, in the organizations that he was with. He was part of a lot of organizations. Um, everybody basically would go, yeah, I know a guy. Because that's what Steve's thing was. was like, mm-hmm. no, we're going to network. We're gonna, I know a guy that can do this. I can help you do this, blah, 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 blah. And that was really, um, uh, I think my, my wife calls it life goals. Life goals. <laughs> So it, life goal be be a little bit more like Steve Kerr, you know, on on that end to be able to to do that. I mean, we all kind of, especially those of you that are, if you've gotten this far, right? Those of you that are starting to create organizations and schools, academies, studios, whatever, that is the attitude of uh, a successful group. Is how can I? help how can i be of service how can i help you achieve your goals and hey you know what even if it's just like sitting down next to you and going hey how you doing that's that's the thing there's not a lot you can do and again you 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 heard me say this before if there if there's only you in your organization you're just a guy in a room with a sword right there you go. There you go. It was just a guy in a room until um, Steve basically called and said, so you want to come to San Diego? Mind you, I was living in the <laughs> living in the Philadelphia area at the time. I was like, yeah, I'd love to, but like, dude, I'm, I'm making like 12 bucks an hour, what do you, you know, to teach kids martial arts. What are you thinking? Um, <laughs> and uh, he goes, no, no, no. No, I know a guy for for that, right? <laughs> and what he meant, what he meant was, you know, like a week later, he basically called me and goes, "So, did you get off?" I'm like, what do you mean? Did you take off of work? These dates. And he was talking about for IGC. And he's like, uh, "I need you to send me a picture of your driver's license, this and that." And I'm like, "I've never met this guy." I I know him through Facebook Messenger for the last, like, three months, right? Mm -hmm. And all we've talked about is lightsabers, basically. Um, I know a a decent amount about him, I think, but, yeah, and he's like, well, you and and Bede, my my other podcast co-host at the time, the guy who I first started taking Star Wars lore, because he's my Star Wars, like, librarian, um... Mm -hmm. And mixing it with the martial arts that I knew and teaching it to him to see if it worked, right? Like we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, like rinse and repeat with a 48-hour notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and like, yeah, you guys are, are going to stay at my house. And, this, and I'm like, d- he definitely was not this person. But all my thoughts were like, oh, my God, I'm going to fly all the way across the country just to get, like, kidnapped and raped and... end up in some basement somewhere as dog food like and uh obviously not the case at this point but three times that happened where like he would just call and be like we're doing a thing we need you there 
Mike, what do you mean you need me? You're in California. I'm in Philly. It was nice the first time. You don't need me. No, we need you here because you bring a this or you bring a that to the table. Like we said, you know, you recognize the value of everybody. And like you said, that, that attitude of what can I do to help? Alan, it was you, man. The last event we had with Steve, the May the 4th tournament in 2019, um, when we were there and, and, maybe it was October. It was the October tournament in 2018. And he goes, uh, Alan goes, what can I do to help? And Steve is asking me and Jill and Steve turns and goes, get us beer. (laughs) (laughs) But right away, like less than five minutes later, Alan shows back up with a couple of beers and, and, um, you know, it's just, it's a small way to, to represent a larger idea of, everybody got together around this person and and made things work for each other it wasn't just about like one person being the king of the tournament and wiping out every other competitor it was like everybody was there the people who were just at at the venue having a few drinks and not there to fight not there to train they were just as important as the people in there putting their safety on the line and their you know, their competitive reputation. See, Steve got it, man. He, he, he understood. And I hate to get all Hawaiian on you guys, but no, he understood. By, he loved it. I mean, <laughs> man, cause uh, you know, he, he throws the aloha, the love, he threw the love out. Right. Mm-hmm. And he knew that by doing that, you know, that, you know, and if it was reciprocated that he can achieve a greater synergy. Right. I mean, I, I love the first time I met Steve in person. All we do is talk story. Right. And that's another Hawaiian thing. Sit down, break bread, drink, right. And share stories. Yeah. Right. There was always food. Yeah. There was always some sort of colder hot beverage. And, you know, and we just sit there and you just, you know, get to know each other over, over experience and stories that, you know, that happened in our life. And man, you know, like, um, you know, I was really glad that, you know, cause you know, like I just told Katie, you know, like, Hey, cause you know, I met, I met SDS and everybody through Dennis cause Dennis was part of, you know, um, you know, SoCal, you know, with TSL and everything at the time. And, you know, and then I met them even more, like more, you know, when Dennis had his birthday, you know, so Fredo and I went down to his birthday in San Diego and got to meet the whole gang. Right. And so that, that was really cool. Um, and then, you know, after that, I kept in touch and then, you know, I, I told Katie, Hey, bring the whole, you know, bring the whole gang up to, you know, to LA for uh, dark watch. And they did, and I was surprised because they brought Steve along. And I was like, "Hey, what's going on?" And you know, and Steve was one of those that, you know, like online a couple of times, you know, and you know, um, and like again, you know, we were just going trading, you know, experience, and he was like, "Yeah, man, you guys, you know, just giving me feedback and say, hey, congratulations on this and that, and you guys did a great job." And and I swear, I mean, we could have sat there and talked for hours. I mean, literally, we did because I remember Katie was still working at Starbucks and she needed to go back. Or her, or her uh, shift the next Early morning. And I think, yeah, and it was like two a.m. when they left. So you know, I was like, "Oh man, it's like you guys gotta get out of here." It's like you know, like you know, um. But yeah, it's like you know, like yeah, just you know, he he understood that. Just you know, didn't that necessarily had to be business all the time? That necessarily had to be, you know. No, as a um, matter of fact, yeah. When it was business, there had to be a little bit of pleasure involved. There, see, because. Like I remember for for his convention that he put on IGC, we um, yeah we were meeting the day before, and I was like in like pool attire, 
because uh, Bede and I figured we had a couple hours before the event really kicked off. We were going to just hang out at the resort and swim a little bit, you know? Oh, there you go. And uh, yeah. if we showed up to this, we thought we were just going to get lunch. It ended up being like a full business meeting for the con, but everybody's in like Hawaiian shirts and swimsuits. And Steve <laughs> required anybody who drank alcohol that they needed to have a drink at the table or – or you know they weren't allowed at the meetings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things where it was like, I want everybody to feel comfortable. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I want everybody yeah, to absolutely. feel like they have a say because I'm telling you right now, we did not think that they were going to care what we had to say. He had some people involved with that event that oh. have been involved with some really important things, much more important than anything I've ever been involved with, and. They're looking at me like when Steve asks me a question, everybody mm-hmm. looks at me for an answer. That was the type <laughs> of person that he would not only that he was to where everybody like respected his opinion. So if he thought that your opinion was worth having, then maybe I'll listen too. But yeah, uh, right. also that he made you feel like you were that person. Yeah. He was, um, you know, there's two types of things when you look at like a, like a person like Steve, right? It's like he wasn't the type of person saying, hey, let me introduce you to somebody I know, right? He was more about, let me introduce somebody that we know, right? You know, so he's saying- This is your new yeah. friend. This is my, our friend. This is your new friend. Exactly. And, you know, he was uh, very good at doing that because of the network, you know, he built, you know, the relationships that he built- you know, and I only knew from a short time, you know, um, but, you know, when I share stories with, with my, you know, with my junior, right, my Kohai, right, and, you know, they, they, he worked with Steve for a long time at Sony, right, and he said this exact same thing, so I said by same thing, it's like, you know, like, you know, just, you know, it, you know, he, he's just a genuinely overall, just a good person, you know, you could tell, you know, and we just, you know, we would sit there and it just changed, you know, exchange stories, and it's like, wow, it's like, bringing disparate yet um equally valuable opinions together yeah and experiences that are not similar but can interact with each other and a guy like steve is a guy that can bring those types of things together for a harmonious purpose and and that that's kind of what smaf has tried to be we're not, we've never tried to be like just a league that you can compete in, although that's something you can do. We've never tried to be like a school or a curriculum that you have to follow. Although if you'd like it, we can give it to you, you know. Um, we've never tried to be in charge of anybody, but if you want us to help you take charge of a event or a situation, we can we can do it within our purview, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's the that's the Steve mentality. That's why SMAF still exists, even though it hasn't been easy. It's, mm-hmm. it's not been easy at all. And, um, you know, we have great people in this organization. There aren't a whole lot of us, but the ones we have definitely are the quality over the quantity type. And that's because I think we project that same attitude that that we got projected from Steve, which is that every one of our groups has stuff they bring to the table because 
they've all got people that are worth, you know, having. And I don't think we've ever really had a group that lasted where that wasn't the case. Knuckleheads don't last long in martial arts, you know. Um, they can last a while in fighting, but in martial arts, you don't stay a knucklehead for long. So, you know, anyway, value. I think, I think I have the most fun. I get the most out of training personally, get the most out of teaching when I value whatever inspiration I can find around me. When I don't worry too much about trying to be a know-it-all when I know enough to know more than the person I'm trying to show or I can get the answer with them, that's good enough, you know, and, and don't try to pretend, build, build a tradition that's natural, you know, to whatever environment you're in. I don't know. You guys have anything to add to that? I'm just trying to, I'm just musing. I'm just thinking like, this is how I get the most value out of it. I mean, I know as, you know, martial arts and I know Alan, I know you, right? Like, it's those aha moments that come out of nowhere, right? That you're like, oh my goodness, why didn't I think of that earlier, right? And those things, you know, come because of the thing, like what you just talked about, like, you know, like just your everyday training, your everyday, you know, like the, even when you're teaching your everyday, you know, interaction with your students, you know, and all of a sudden these aha moments just pop up and then you're like, yeah, and I'll go to my sensei and say, hey, sensei, how come you didn't tell me about this? You need to learn that one for yourself. You know, that's what he'll come back and tell you. It's like, it's like you know, it's like now that I figured it out, it's like, yeah, it's like now you got to figure it out and put it all together now. It's like, oh, shit, there's another step to that. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's another thing, too, because those come by and that's like as good as a drug. You know, it's like you get hooked on those. Well, if you're new, start start feeling it. You know, when you feel those aha moments, oh, bask in it, bask in it. Yeah. put that in the encyclopedia you encyclopedia (laughs) of you you know ryan mckenna shout out to ryan mckenna really quickly just you know from saber light nights that's ryan you know he 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 just stacks things in the data bank like r2d2 yeah he does yeah and um it doesn't all work for him but but he learns quickly what does and and um as a person as a teacher and as a fighter all all of those things you know so anyway um that's a good thing if you're new, get into it. If you've never done it before, find someone else who'll do it with you. You only need two to tango. You only need one to learn. You only need two to tango. Uh, there you go. And um, Sifu, anything anything you want to add for anybody who's feeling a little bit maybe confused by tonight's topic, but also slightly inspired? Um, first and foremost, Kyle Friesack's sectional favorite. <laughs> and uh, secondly, uh Results only come when you train for them. And Don't eat the marshmallow. To, yeah. Basically, you, you just got to go. Yeah. You got to basically understand that um, whatever goal you have will show up with hard work and dedication and just and consistency. Yes, sir. Yeah. Consistency is everything. If you're the teacher showing up, if you don't show up, make sure people know at least that you're not going to be there and sometimes why. And if you're the student, same thing, you know, show up. And if you're not going to show up, tell your teacher why 
right? And if you need to have that discussion of I don't want to show up ever again, t- again, tell your teacher because or tell the other people you train with because maybe they'll help you find whatever it is you need to find to keep coming back. Or maybe they'll help you find that it's just not for you. And that's okay too. But you yeah. won't know unless all the things we've already said. So, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it has been a fun night. A, a, a bit of a, a weird, wacky merry-go-round. And I, I'm kind of all about it. <laughs> um, anyway. Bring your own saber. Oh, yeah. SaberMartialArts.life. Bring your own saber. <laughs> Well-oiled machine. There you go. Well-oiled machine.